Welcome to the Pacho Perspective Podcast, a place where I offer my perspective about everything in the space between life and death. I am your host, Pasho. In today's podcast, we're going to go over Jordan Peterson's rule number two from his book, 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos. Rule number two is treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. I thought this was a very interesting chapter, uh, especially because of the information that JP introduces at the beginning, where he gives us some statistics about animals. And, And normally in my classroom, I like to begin asking my students, you know, who has a dog, who has a cat. And then I ask them, you know, if your dog or cat were to get sick, let's say it threw up a few times, it's been a couple of days since this has happened, what would you and your parents do? And, you know, most of my students come up with the right answer. We would take it to the veterinarian and, you know, find out what's wrong with them. And so I would say, okay, so you take it to the veterinarian and uh, let's say that the veterinarian offers you, um, you know, let's say some antibiotics, right? And that's really all your cat or your dog needs. What would you do? And again, they would continue and say, we would fill the prescription And I'd say, all right, you got your prescription. And what if it says on the vial, you know, take one time a day or take twice a day, what would you do? And again, they would answer that they would do exactly as they were instructed, right? And I would ask them, well, why? You know, why would you do these things? And obviously, because they are astute, they tell me, well, we love our animals and we want to keep them around. We respect them. We value them as friends, as children for even some people. And I'm like, all right, all right. And then I start talking about, well, what do we do with ourselves? You know, this was a very interesting point from Jordan Peterson. Human beings don't really follow through when it comes to that. Uh, He says 50%, there's a 50% chance you won't even take it if you go and pick up a prescription. And 15% of people who go to a doctor and get prescribed medication won't even pick it up. Why do we do that? Why do we treat our animals better than we treat ourselves? And that's really the gist of rule number two. Now, what I have come to is that we don't value ourselves as human beings because we define ourselves by our past uh, and all of the mistakes and failures that go with it, all the cognitive distortions, you know, that we drag along with us instead of realizing they're just lessons. They were things that happened in our life. We were young. We were ignorant or naive. And, you know, it it doesn't define who we are. It just defines where we have been because we know all of the dark secrets. Jordan Peterson says in the chapter, no one has more reason to dislike you than you. And I ask my students, what do you think that means? And and they get it. You know, they raise their hand and they're like, well, because you know all the bad things that you've done. And I said, well, don't your friends know? And they'll tell me, well, we don't really share that stuff with our friends. And it's exactly that point. We value ourselves based on our failures. And so no wonder our society as a whole has gotten more stressed out, more anxiety. And because of that, you know, the culmination then of all those things, unfortunately, is a rise and spike in suicide. If we valued ourselves as much as we valued our pets we would take the medication. And that's really where rule two takes off. We need to learn to treat ourselves as if we are responsible for helping ourselves. Kind of like the golden rule philosophy, like Jordan Peterson says, except instead of treat others as you would want to be treated, treat yourself like you would want to be treated. 
You know, later I go into and I ask my students, you know, I give them this example. If you took a quiz of 10 questions and you got two of them wrong, you know, I, I ask them to raise their hand and I say, who focuses on the eight? Who celebrates the eight questions you got right? Very little hands go up. When I ask them who focuses on the two questions you got wrong, that's when the hands start going up. And then I ask them, what are you saying to yourself when you're focusing on these questions that you got wrong? And, you know, I've got a lot of brave students who are honest and they raise their hand and they say, well, I think about how stupid I was. I should have known the answer and I should have been better and I should have been more prepared. And, you know, that I'm not as smart as I could be because I didn't get the grades that I wanted. And that's where I, you know, I interrupt them and I tell them, isn't that crazy? Isn't it crazy that we will focus all of our time on two questions that we got wrong, which would ruin our day, right? Ruin our appetites, ruin our moods. And thus, at least our daily relationships, you know, will kind of suffer because of the, the negative energy that we're bringing in. Instead of focusing and celebrating on the eight we got right, why do we do that as a civilization? You know, you'd think we'd be smart enough to recognize, so what? It's only too wrong. Look at all the good I did get. You know, and it also kind of goes into that cognitive distortion, too, where people think that they have to be perfect. You know, they're not allowed to have failures. You know, they have that um, the mental filter, you know, where we filter out the positive things that happen in our life and we only focus on the negative. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned a, a couple of other quotes that I got from the chapter, such as love the sinner, but hate the sin. You know, even my father, you know, doesn't hate the person committing the sin. He just wishes we would commit that sin less, but he still loves us. And we should treat ourselves in the same way. Yes, we've made mistakes. Yes, we might have hurt people with the words or the actions that we have done. But I try to remind my kids, you know, they're in high school. You know, you're 14, you're 15. Like, I mean, if you can walk on water and, and split the seas and strike a rock or ask a rock to spout out water, you know, then that's a different story. You know, if you're performing miracles, then sure, you know, get a little upset that you missed two questions wrong. But if you're not perfect, which no human being other than my father has ever been, you know, no wonder we're so stressed out and full of anxiety. If we would just learn to recognize the characteristics of our behavior, you know, procrastination, laziness, etc., and despise that part, you know, just don't despise yourself, but dislike what you are doing that is preventing you from becoming the best version of yourself. I think we would find ourselves less stressed and less anxious. And because, you know, we can accept our mistakes and that we are growing and learning constantly. I mean, I'm 43 years old and I try to stress to my students that I'm still an unfinished product. I mean, I'm nowhere close to done. There's so much that I can improve on that I'm always a student and I'm always learning and I'm always growing. And so I don't really get too frustrated when bad things happen because I know I'm going to learn a lesson here and I'm going to move forward. Now, obviously, when I was younger, I did not think in those ways. It is, you know, the wisdom through experience, you know, that has given me, you know, this new attitude where I forgive myself. And so I try to teach that to my students, you know, the sooner we learn to forgive ourselves, the sooner we're able to let go of our past, the more sooner we are able then to accept the gifts the future brings to us.
And so Jordan Peterson says we have a moral obligation to take care of ourselves. Because if we don't take care of ourselves, then we become a monster. We become that terrible person who is bitter and resentful and full of cynicism. And because of that, obviously, our perception of the world becomes skewed. It is uh, there's less opportunity. There's less justice. There's less joy, you know, because of the way that we perceive the world. And so it's really important for us to take this rule to heart. Because if we're not taking care of ourselves, another idea that he brings up is that we're not bringing our light out into the world. And when we bring the light out from within us, not only are we making our world brighter, but we're making an already dark world less dark for everyone around us and for the generations yet to come. In the Bible, it says that we should try to be the the salt and the light. And I really believe that it means that we should be the beacons of hope. We should be the spices that add flavor and joy and happiness and contentment in the world. And so when we're making ourselves happy, when we're fulfilling our dreams and desires, when we're taking care of ourselves physically and mentally and spiritually, we're in fact making the world a better place for everyone else. You know, think about the attitude you know, that we carry when we have a bad day. And then the relationships you start having with people over the counter, you know, it's, you know, I always give this example that there's a pregnant woman who is holding three children in her arms and she's running behind you uh, as much as a pregnant woman can uh, in the rain, you know, to go into the shopping mall. And you as a human being, you've got two choices. You can either open the door and hold it open and probably get sopped down by the rain and, uh, you know, the woman goes inside, though, and she'll probably give you some look, you know, of, uh, of contentment that, you know, thank you so much for helping me. You know, I, I try to tell my students, don't be so dependent on receiving the thank yous from other people. You know, sometimes they don't notice it. Sometimes they don't appreciate it. But again, we shouldn't do good things in the world so that we can be recognized. We should do great things in the world because we're good people and that's what we want to do. But I tell them, you know, you, you open up that door, you leave it open for her and she walks in and she looks at you and she realizes, wow, there's hope. You know, there's still good people in this world. And the next interaction she has with a person behind the counter, it's going to be pleasant because she's not going to be bringing any negativity in because you've helped her look at the world in a positive light. And then that person behind the counter and the next customer that comes up, that interaction will be even more pleasant as well. And then You know, you pay it forward and it spreads, you know, hopefully like fire, all the love and joy and everything. But rewind a little bit and take a different approach. The pregnant woman is running with her children in her hands. It's raining. You're at the door. Instead of holding it open, you walk through and you allow it to close behind you. The woman is standing outside, staring, glaring at you, most likely. Eventually finds a way to open the door and walks in. But now what kind of attitude is she going to have? What kind of perception about the world is she going to now have? She goes to the first person behind the counter, reads him the riot act because she wants to lash out. She wants to project her anger. And that person behind the counter absorbs it. And then the next interaction with the next person in line is going to feel the wrath of that person and the bitterness and resentment and cynicism that has now been born. And then that, instead of joy, starts getting spread throughout the world. You know, the things that we do in this world for ourselves also come and help the world. 
And so again, rule number two, by taking care of yourself, you're really taking care of everyone. It's kind of the idea that they have on airplanes when there's turbulence or something happens and the airbags start dropping out. The instructions are that the adult put on the oxygen mask first. And I ask my students, why do you think that is? And they say, well, it's so that they can, you know, take care of themselves. And when they take care of themselves, they're able then to take care of their children. Where if they try to take care of the children first, should things not work, they pass out. And now the kids are sitting there staring at a passed out parent with no mask on. You know, it becomes very dangerous for everybody. And so really, if you think about it, we have to take care of ourselves in order to take care of other people. And that kind of goes along with the idea of love. You know, I try to tell my students, and I'll expand on this more in a later podcast, but you really have no business falling in love or trying to find love with another person until you are right with yourself first. You got to love yourself. That's the only way you'll ever accept or believe another person telling them that they love you. You know, they'll say, I love you. And if they're anything like I am, you know, when I was young and bitter and cynical, I'd be like, well, I'm a duck. Now, I guess saying it doesn't do anything, right? I don't have any web feed. I don't have a tail. I don't have a bill on my face. So I guess saying things doesn't really make it so, which I mean, I can't even imagine. I used to say that to people. I mean, I believe I even said it to my own wife when we first started dating. What an awful, awful thing to do. But I was in a dark place. You know, I wasn't in a good place at least. And, and so when you learn to love yourself and somebody says they love you, then you know why. You know the reasons. You know that there's something there. You value yourself. And so because of that, you can accept their love. And because you can accept their love, I mean, it just turns you on. So again, going back to the idea that you must take care of yourself. And so to, to end off this podcast, I'm going to leave it with this. Jordan Peterson says that our life, you know, should be thought of as three things. To define our life, refine our life, and then choose. We define who we are. What kind of person do you want to be? Imagine that person. And then start taking actions. Start taking steps that lead you to the possibility of becoming that person 10 years from now, let's say. Then, because you've defined who you are, you can now refine your personality. Now that I know I want to be this kind of person, I'm going to start carrying those traits. You know, kind of piggybacking off of an interview Oprah did with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey used to tell her, you know, I would drive around Mulholland Drive and I would look at all these mansions and these fancy cars and I would say to myself, these things are not mine yet, but they will be. And he started acting as if those things belonged to him. And because he believed that he would be successful, he really, believe, you know, attributes that idea is what led him to success because he believed it. He lived like it. He started to make decisions as if he were already there preparing himself then for those opportunities when they arose. So you define who you are, you refine your personality, and then because of that, you choose your destination. And it should be a destination where you are aiming up. Jordan Peterson is always about aiming for things that are higher than we are striving for better things. Because when we become complacent, you know, when we create plan Bs, we are more prone to throw plan A out the window. And so I believe like Jordan Peterson, when he says a bad plan is better than no plan, because at least a bad plan, you're in the direction of your goals and a bad plan can be fixed. You can change it into something that works. But having no plan leaves you with 360 degrees of options of where to go and who to become. And with, with those kinds of options, good Lord, how would you choose? 
And so it's going to make you miserable. So instead, you have to have a goal, a good goal, a goal that gives you purpose, a goal that gives you meaning, a goal that when you wake up, you can't wait to take on the day to see how much closer you become to reaching that goal and see how everything else starts to line up for you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Thank you for joining me. If you like this episode, please share it. And in case you haven't already, please smash that subscribe button and leave a review. You can also support me and the podcast over at Patreon. Just visit patreon.com backslash the Pacho Perspective and become a member of Pacho's Chachos. God bless and have an amazing life. We'll meet again next week where I'll be discussing Jim Rohn's seven deadly attitudes of the mind. I'll do that.